right. Thanks to the team for leading today. Just unplug it, Carl. Oh, there we go. Well, my name's Tom, if I haven't met you yet. And if I haven't met you, I'm sorry. I'd like to. Is that good enough for now? It's summertime. And we're coming and going, and I'm thrilled to see family and friends uh, visiting over the summer and know that lots of us are, are out uh, on this weekend, out uh, visiting family far and wide. And uh, it's just a beautiful time of summer, isn't it? We're in a series, as we've already mentioned, of course, through the Lord's Prayer this summer. We've been casting it as our summer school of prayer, an opportunity we have, an astonishing opportunity, actually, to learn to pray from Jesus himself to be invited by Jesus into his relationship with his father and to learn how to talk to his father the way that he did, to have a conversation with his father the way that Jesus did. And and that's an astonishing opportunity. It's it's an astonishing privilege. And and that's where we're we're at. And I'm very thankful for all those who've taken part in this series this summer, particularly for Doris and and Maddie, as well as Terry Terry Young, who's uh, from Calgary, uh, affording me a bit of an opportunity to um, be off some, but also just to focus some of my energy on other things, on pastoral counseling, uh, giving my brain a break, as it were. I'm very thankful for that. But here we are today. You know what it's like to come to the hardest part of something? Maybe the hardest part of a long trip with kids. What is that? The end? Okay. How about for you moms who stay at home and dads who stay at home? How about the hardest part of your day? Is it right before supper? Kids are cranky, you're tired, frankly, you're really tired. Patience has run out. Hardest part of your day. Or maybe the hardest part of a, of a job. Maybe you tore shingles off a roof and find out there was a, another older layer underneath. Been baked on for a while. The hardest part of your job, maybe you've, know, you've known that it's been coming. And you've been kind of dreading it or anticipating it or that. Am I with, you with me? That's, what I'm talk- That's where we're at today. We're at the hardest part of this prayer that Jesus is teaching us. It might even be one of the most difficult parts of Jesus' teaching altogether. In the Lord's Prayer, Jesus teaches us to ask the Father to forgive us as we forgive others. As we forgive those who've sinned against us, as we forgive our debtors, and it's these two, this little tiny word with just two letters in it that gets so large here in this prayer. Forgive as we forgive them. Now we've split this phrase into two parts, and I'm very thankful last week Doris covered the first part, forgive us. And I do encourage you, if you miss that, really, the second part, of course, hangs on that first part, how we incorporate regular confession to God and asking for his, I mean, we've got his forgiveness, but but Jesus instructs us uh, to come to the Father and say, forgive me, forgive us, to acknowledge our sin, the ways that we've failed him, the ways that we've mistreated someone, the ways we've thought about others, to actually incorporate confession, knowing that we don't come to a God who's there with a big stick, but we come to a Father who loves us, a good Father. And when we confess, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Right? 
That's from a letter a little later on in the Bible. But, but the, the, the fact that we come to a forgiving Father who longs to bring freedom and forgiveness into our lives. So that was, that was last week. It's hugely important. God has forgiven us. And now this week we dive into this second part as we forgive others. Because while being forgiven can feel amazing, life-giving, sometimes forgiving others can be very, very hard. Very, very difficult. Before we go further today, I just want to tell you that I acknowledge that for many of you today, you have experienced tremendous pain and hurt at the hands of someone else. I want you to know that I know that. I don't know all of your stories, but I know enough of your stories to know that many of you carry deep wounds because of how others have hurt you, betrayed you, dishonored you. And I want you to know that I know that and I acknowledge that and everything we're saying this morning, but also that Jesus knows that and he acknowledges that. And yet this is what he's teaching us today. Some of you know how tender of a topic this can be when we approach the topic of forgiving others. Some of you have also seen, either firsthand from your own experience or as you've seen it in others' lives, you've also seen the incredible damage that bitterness and unforgiveness can do to a person's life. You've seen what happens in relationships when people can't forgive, won't forgive. The way that grudges, the way that resentment can poison people's hearts and poison relationships. I know that many of you have seen that. Or maybe you yourself have come through that and know what it's like to have unforgiveness and bitterness destroy you. And then, of course, there are many of you, and I've talked to lots of you, who, as you've learned as you've come to a place of forgiveness, as you've, as you've struggled and you've prayed and you've let Jesus lead in your life and you've come to a place where you've been able to say to this person, I forgive you or I forgive them in a way that's appropriate, sometimes to people who are even long dead, but you know what it's like to come to this freedom and this grace and, and to be really liberated through forgiveness of others. You know what that's like as well. We discover that not only is receiving forgiveness amazing, but offering forgiveness is amazing as well. As we're learning to pray from Jesus, right here in this little phrase of the prayer, Jesus assumes something about us. Did you catch that when you were reading it? When you hear that phrase, forgive us as we forgive those who sin against us, as we forgive our debtors, Jesus is assuming... That as we ask for daily forgiveness, we are daily forgiving others. That's the assumption here. That as we come to him for forgiveness, it's with the assumption that we are actively forgiving those who have hurt us, betrayed us, sinned against us in some way. That's what the little as means. That as forgiven people, we forgive others. Forgiveness is our way of life, as it were. It's the way of life of a follower of Jesus. Now see the assumption here. It's a powerful assumption. Knowing that we've been forgiven, we can confess and ask the Father's forgiveness, which is freely available in Jesus, as we forgive others in that same way, as we treat others the way that Jesus has treated us. 
Well, what does Jesus actually say about forgiveness? You know, he talked a lot about it. If you, if you look through the Gospels, so outside of even this passage, he talks a lot about forgiveness. So let's just briefly look at that. He, um, he's really clear. All of it's really clear. I mean, it's, it's not a difficult-to-understand teaching. Jesus says, forgive others. It's that simple. Really difficult maybe to obey, but not difficult to understand. That's the teaching clear through. Jesus says that as we've been loved, we should love. As we've been treated, we should treat. As we've been accepted, we are to accept others. As Doris mentioned last week, this is the only part of the Lord's Prayer, probably suggesting just how difficult it really is. It's the only part of the Lord's Prayer that Jesus singles out to elaborate on a little more right after he gives us the Lord's Prayer in Matthew 6. So we read the Lord's Prayer in Matthew 6, and literally the next two verses say, For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Uh, that's tough stuff. Jesus chose to elaborate on this little phrase. And I think he, it's because he knew how tough it would be. In Luke 6, Jesus says the same thing when he says the famous passage, which many of us have heard, do not judge or you will be judged, you know. Judge not lest you be judged. We're all familiar with that one. Well, the same verse, listen to this. Do not judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be poured into your lap. There's a blessing here. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Jesus teaches us as his followers to forgive, and he even links our forgiveness of others with our forgiveness of from God. If we won't forgive, we won't be forgiven. We aren't forgiven. Our forgiveness from God and our forgiveness of others seems to be a package deal. It goes together. It's all connected. And this can be tough to take. Some of you might be pulling back right now, even as you hear this. Maybe you're following Jesus for a long time, but you've been holding on to something. Maybe you're not yet following Jesus, and you hear this, and you think, no way, that's ridiculous. I don't know what it might be for you. I know how many of you, as I mentioned earlier, how many of you have really suffered at the hands of others, been betrayed, abused, raped. You've been rejected. You've had people in your life that have constantly gone back on their promises, people who've ignored you, people who've said awful things about you or to you. I know that that's true. And yet, as you've experienced God's forgiveness, and as you've extended forgiveness to others, you've also experienced the grace and the joy and the freedom. And just this last week, I was, I was talking to a number of people, but one person in particular in our congregation who experienced horrific childhood trauma, and knowing that as they have come to a place of, of forgiving, the freedom and the life that has come from that. In one of the most famous stories on forgiveness, uh, Peter comes up to Jesus and he says, we all know the story. Uh, If you're not even familiar with the Bible, you've probably heard it referred to. Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? 
Remember, Peter at this point is thinking he is being like supremely generous with seven times. And some of you know, if you have someone on a daily level do something to you and then ask for forgiveness one time, two times, three times, and that's just before lunch. And then four times, five times, six times, and we haven't even got through supper. You can get a bit annoyed and think you're being pretty generous at seven times two, right? So he asks Jesus up to seven times, thinking Jesus is going to say, absolutely, that's brilliant. But Jesus says, actually, no, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times, or some of the translations will say 70 times seven. The math's not important. What's really important here is Jesus saying, there is no limit. We are forgivers. We forgive with no reservations. We forgive without limitation. Followers are Forgivers. That's what Jesus is saying. This is what he's teaching. How do we do that? I mean, how do we become the kind of people that are willing to forgive like that? Does it, it seems kind of crazy. It seems, it seems like it's letting someone off the hook in a, in a way that we don't feel comfortable with. How do we even get to a place where we're willing to be this generous? Well, Jesus, I think, knows that that's the question we would ask. I think he could see the question in Peter's face. And so he goes immediately on to tell a story, as Jesus often does. He tells the story of a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. This is the story he uses immediately following the 70 times 7 thing. A king wants to settle accounts with his servants, and as began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold. He must have been deeply invested in the oil field in Alberta just last year. 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Guy owed him that much. Since he was, oh, big surprise, not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt, which all the guys I read say, it wouldn't have repaid the debt, but it would have been all he could have got out of him. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. It's incredible. Canceled the debt. This is astronomical. This is unexpected. This is ridiculous, actually. I mean, what kind of investor, what kind of king, what kind of guy? He just cancels the debt. Imagine what that guy's feeling at that point. Elation, shock, surprise. I mean, just just imagine how he would have left, the feeling he would have had, that load lifted off of him. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. Pocket change. A hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Do we need someone to come up so we can do a little illustration here? He grabbed him and he began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His servant fell to his knees and begged him, Be patient with me and I will pay it back. But he refused. 
Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could repay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? Let me read that one again. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all that he owed. And then Jesus, listen to Jesus' conclusion here. This is kind of the point. He said, this is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother and sister from your heart. I do not like this. I don't like this one little bit. I feel like a Dr. Seuss is coming on here. I don't like it. But this is what Jesus says. That we are to forgive others as we've been forgiven. And the big question in there, the question that this master as a servant, shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant the way I had mercy on you is the key question. We forgive others their sin against us because we've been forgiven by God our sin against Him. And our debt to God was greater. Our sin was grosser. Our, our trespass against Him was more flagrant and our betrayal was more stark than anything anyone has ever done to us. Being able to forgive others has everything to do with how much we know that God has forgiven us. That's what it all hangs on, Jesus says. The problem is we forget. We forget how much God has forgiven us. We downplay our own sin. We think of all the reasons why we did what we did. All the backstory. All the excuses. All the circumstantial things that came in and caused this to happen and this. And I I ended up being in a place where I didn't want to be. And we, we put all those excuses up. But when we turn to see others... We see what they've done, and we don't acknowledge the backstory. We see what's inexcusable. We see what's wrong. We see what's ugly and unforgivable and worthy of punishment. And here's what Jesus is saying to us. Yes, all sin is ugly. All sin is inexcusable. All sin is worthy of punishment. Your sin, my sin, our sin. The problem is, when we don't realize how much the Father has forgiven us, how great His love is for us, how He sent His only Son, Jesus Christ, to come so that He could take your sin and my sin, the sin of the whole world, upon Himself and die on a cross in our place, that when we forget that, when we forget that our sin too was inexcusable, our sin too was gross, That Jesus suffered and died for my sin. The Son, the blameless Son of God, died for me. The debt I owed was too great. I couldn't pay it. And so Jesus stepped in to pay it for me. That's why this all starts with our need for forgiveness first. This all starts with Jesus saying, first we pray, forgive us. Father, forgive us. Because we acknowledge that we need His grace. We need his sacrifice. We need his life to come to deal with our sin. And as a result, then we can extend forgiveness to others. 
C.S. Lewis said, to be a Christian means to forgive the inexcusable because God has forgiven the inexcusable in you. Well, what does it mean for us to forgive others? Forgiveness means really that we let Jesus' sacrifice pay for their sin too. It means that we no longer hold their actions against them. We let Jesus take their punishment. It means that we no longer wish them ill. We, we no longer obsess over their downfall. We let Jesus' sacrifice cover their sin because it also has covered ours. And sometimes the hang-up we've had is it feels like when we say we forgive others, it, it feels like what we're saying is that what they did wasn't so bad. But that's not what we're saying at all. Saying I forgive you is not saying it's okay. Saying I forgive you is not saying it wasn't so bad after all. Saying I forgive you is saying, essentially, what you did to me was so horrible that the Son of God had to be butchered to cover it. But he had to be butchered to cover my sin too. To say I forgive you is not to say what you did okay. And I think for some of you who have been horrifically hurt and abused by others, you need to know that and hear that. That to say, I forgive you, is not to say what you did was all right. What you did was loathsome, awful. But Jesus is willing to take your punishment too. That's the grace of God. Jesus paid the price for our sin. Therefore, I can forgive you as I have been forgiven. And this is probably what it means when Jesus says that we can't be forgiven if we don't forgive. Because if we're unwilling to let Jesus sacrifice his death on the cross, pay for their sin, then what it means is we must not understand what he did. We must not understand what our sin is. We must not understand what was really wrong in our own lives. Because if we don't understand that, then we have missed the heart of what Jesus has done. And it's only when we truly understand what the Son of God did for us that we can be forgiven and then forgive others. We forgive not only for them, but we also forgive for us. And this, I think, is the amazing love of the Father for us. He wants to lead us to forgiveness and be people who live in forgiveness for the sake of others, yes, for the sake of those who have even harmed us. But do you know, this is the amazing love of God. He wants us to forgive others also for our sakes. Because the Father knows what kind of damage and hurt. He knows how much bitterness and anger and resentment and holding on will ruin your life, will destroy your relationships. He knows that. And so when he leads us to a place of forgiveness, of receiving forgiveness and offering forgiveness, the Father is leading us to life, to freedom, to grace. He doesn't want bitterness and anger and unforgiveness to control our hearts. He wants to lead us to freedom. Well, wrapping it up, how do we forgive? How do we live this out? I think four things, and then we're going to go to communion today. The first thing we have to do is we have to review what's true. We can do this all through Scripture. We can remind ourselves of what's true, but in particular, we can do it even in the Lord's Prayer. As we come to a place where we are struggling to offer forgiveness to others, we can remind ourselves that we have a good father who's brought us into his family, who's adopted us in and welcomed us in and invited us into this relationship of life and vitality and everything flows from there. 
And we acknowledge that even as we begin this prayer, that we want our hearts to be shaped by what glorifies the Father the most. That's the hallowed be your name part. We just want people to understand and see the good Father for who he is and know that if people will begin to experience the good Father in their lives, their lives will be changed. And then we begin to pray that his will would be done, that his kingdom would come on earth in the particular places that we see brokenness in in, in ways that we've been broken in in our own families and in our extended world. We want to see His kingdom come and His will be done. And then we recognize that He is the one who is our provider. And we come to Him with our needs, asking Him to provide for us our daily needs. And then we realize that it's in this family that we're not only provided for, but we're forgiven. And when we review what's true and we get to a place where we then are are, are having to follow in obedience to Jesus and say, I will forgive others as as I have been forgiven by you, we realize we do this in the context of a family, the context of a father who loves us and provides for us and walks with us and is present with us, reigning and ruling as our God. When we review what's true, Jesus is able to lead us to forgive others. The second thing is, is that we can talk the walk in order to walk the talk. I think in prayer, we're invited to tell the Father exactly what it is we're feeling. Sometimes we've been told never to express what is really going on in your heart, the anger you feel, the desire for vengeance, the, the, the truth of the matter that you want that person to be hurt or you want that person to pay or whatever it is. And I believe that the Father invites us to express that to him, to talk to him about it. To say, this is what I'm feeling, Lord. And if you need any sort of justification from the Bible on that, read the Psalms sometime. What we see is raw emotion poured out before God. And when we do that, when we come to the Father and we say, this is what I'm feeling, He is then able to speak into our lives. He's then able to to bring us out and and remind us of who we are and, and begin to lead us to freedom. And also in that, as we tell Him, this is what I'm feeling, we also can begin to say, but Lord... I don't want to be a person who holds on to bitterness. Lord, I want to be a person who forgives. Will you show me how to forgive? Will you lead me to forgiveness? And as we talk about the walk, as we talk about the way we want to live, the way we want to be a forgiving person, we can then begin to, in the Spirit's power, walk that talk out in our lives. I believe it starts here in this conversation with the Father. The third thing I want to say is that we can start small. Sometimes there is a particular event or person that looms large in our lives because of hurt and betrayal and difficulty. And so we get fixated on that and we think that's the thing. And and, and truly, Jesus does want to bring you to freedom in that. He does want to bring you to a place where you forgive that person. But sometimes the invitation of Jesus is just to start small. Like maybe we need to start daily practicing forgiveness with the people who irritate us in the workplace. Maybe we need to begin to practice forgiveness with our kids, our spouse. We need to begin to uh, practice forgiveness in ways where the stakes don't seem so high, if I can say it that way. It's like learning a new muscle. Especially for those of us who have let bitterness have let pettiness, have let the little things creep in so that we become a person that's known as a complainer, known as a person who's 
always irritated by something? Now, I know it's none of you, but I think you could take this home and talk to somebody that you know. And, and, and so sometimes we recognize the need to become, to practice forgiveness means we've got to start in some areas that we actually maybe could begin to see some change on. And know that as we do that, the Holy Spirit will work in our lives and he will lead us, I'm confident, toward the, those greater areas that we've struggled with. And then the fourth thing is that I believe we need to celebrate God's forgiveness daily for his daily forgiveness. That when we will remember each day, as we pray this prayer, and that's what we've been encouraging you to do this summer, is to pray the Lord's Prayer every day. That as you pray this prayer, forgive us as we forgive. You'll be able to celebrate that every day of your life. When you say, forgive me, Lord, he says, you are forgiven. And we can celebrate that. And as we celebrate his daily forgiveness of us, I believe that we will become more and more able to forgive others. Not looking so much at what they've done, but fixing our eyes on the God who has loved us and forgiven us so much. This is where the Lord is leading us today as we come to communion. One of the best places that we can celebrate God's forgiveness of us is at the table of communion where we take the bread and we take the juice and we remember that our debt was too great to pay for, that there was nothing we could do and that God didn't just look at us and say, well, too bad for you. I gave you lots of chances. You're done. Instead, he sent his son to take our place so that we could come back in the family. And every day we can experience that grace. And every day we can experience that forgiveness. And when you come today, we can celebrate our forgiveness together. But I also believe that as you come today, there may be a person in your life. This person may be currently present in your life. They may be someone that you could pick up the phone and call. They may be someone you could write a letter to and they would read it. And as you come to celebrate God's forgiveness of you today, the Holy Spirit is going to ask you to forgive them the way that He has forgiven you. Now, I don't know what it is for you, obviously, but I believe that the Holy Spirit will tell you if you are open to it. And you will need to choose to obey that. I believe that you will come to freedom and grace and life if you do. And I believe that's a step of obedience that Jesus is asking of you as you come to communion today. For others of us, the people that have harmed us or hurt us might be someone from the past that we either aren't able to have contact with or, or it wouldn't be right and it wouldn't be wise to have contact with them because of the level of hurt. And I understand that. But I still believe that Jesus wants to bring you to a place of forgiveness. And as you come today, my prayer for you is that you'll be able to come today and say, thank you, Jesus, for your forgiveness. I forgive, name them, for what they've done to me. I will let your punishment cover their crime. Now, you may want to receive prayer as a result of that. You may want to share that with a confidant or a close friend so they can pray with you. But I believe that as we come to celebrate communion today, Jesus is going to ask you to be able to pray authentically this morning. Forgive us, Lord, 
as we forgive those who sin against us. And I just implore you this morning to follow the teaching of Jesus, to step out in faith and do what he said, and know that you will receive grace and freedom. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and flowing into your lap. That's the promise of Jesus. So I'm going to pray. Our team is going to come and play music. And I'm going to pray. And then those who are serving, I'm going to meet them here at the front. I'm going to serve them. And then they're going to come to the stations here at the front and at the back. Gluten-free is available at the front only. And so uh, we practice communion by intinction, uh, just how we do it right now. And so you take a piece of bread and you dip it in the juice and you take it that way. And that is the way that we're going to celebrate the forgiveness of God for us today as we also forgive those who have sinned against us. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you for your forgiveness of us. That you died for me. That you paid the price that our sin had caused the rip and the tear and the destruction, you made it right through the death and the resurrection of your life. And today we come to celebrate your forgiveness of us as we forgive those who have sinned against us. And I ask, Holy Spirit, that you would just lead us and guide us to freedom today. In your name we pray. Amen. For those who are serving this morning,